If you've been here a little while, you've done one of these before. Pen? Here we go. Um, if not, this is very simple. Anybody else? Pen? Oh, Andrew, yeah. You're doing it, man. So this is a listening exercise. And so what you're going to do is you're going to pray this first, the first prayer. Maybe pray it through <laughs> twice so it gets in your head, and then you're just going to listen. This is not a put on your thinking cap one. This is just a listen to God, practice time, okay? And it goes with what we're talking about today as well. And so, yeah, just go through each one. And then the last one is just start writing. Write a sentence or two sentences or something like that. If God might be speaking to you right now, what might he be saying? And write a couple sentences. If you don't feel like you hear anything, that's okay. Move on to the next one. No big deal. But I would encourage you to, hes to um, lean on the side of writing something down versus not. But it, this isn't a figure out for sure if this is God or not exercise. This is a just listen exercise. Cool? All right. Go for it. We'll take like five minutes, maybe. It's not legally binding. You're also not sharing this with anyone or, or turning it in. I'm not going to shame anybody or anything weird. So, yeah, let, we'll take like a, a five minutes, like a minute per question. you can keep writing. Um, so I encourage you to hang on to this, stick it in your Bible, put it in your pocket, something like that. Maybe read over it throughout the week. Maybe God will continue to speak or maybe he'll clarify some things or maybe he'll be like, I didn't know if this or that was God for sure. But then throughout the week, he'll be like, yeah, I think maybe this was or I think maybe this one wasn't. Um, and this is helpful for us to learn how to hear God's voice. Every, everything takes practice, right? So, so this is hearing from God practice. And these questions in particular, or questions like them, are really good to ask God fairly regularly uh, because of what we're going to talk about today, which is sanctification. Anybody heard that word before? Sanctification? If you've been in, around church a while, you've probably heard it. Um, anybody know what sanctification means? Like, it's kind of, you know, it's a, a $3 word at least. Um, so it's a sanctus, Latin for holy, okay? And the ification is like a, a scientific term. It means the process of. So the process of becoming holy or the process by which we are made holy. That's what sanctification means, okay? The key word there is process. Sanctification is the process by which we are made holy. So there's, there's two big events that happen, if, if you're going to boil it down to two things, because... I want to right now. Um, salvation and then sanctification. So salvation is different. Salvation is all God, right? We don't do anything to get saved. Save, just submit to Jesus. That's it, okay? So that's not really doing anything. We submit to God, and he does the saving. He does the adopting. He does the placing us in Christ. He does the placing his spirit in us. That's all God. Salvation is all God, and it happens like this at some point in our life. Sanctification starts at that exact same second, but it's not fully complete. Salvation's fully complete right away, the kind of salvation I'm talking about, like going to heaven because you're with Jesus now, right? 
salvation is used in the Bible in a lot of different ways, so that's why this is important. Um, salvation, in the way that we tend to talk about it in church, happens instantaneously, and that's when sanctification begins. But sanctification is a process that happens over time, and that's the big difference between salvation and sanctification. And if we don't realize that there's a difference, then we can get really confused and really frustrated in the Christian life. Because we get saved, and then guess what? We still got problems. Lots of problems. Problems with ourselves. We're not holy. And we know it, right? And yet, the Bible says we are holy. The Bible says we are righteous. The Bible says we're already seated with him in, he in the heavenly places, in heaven. We're already seated with Jesus. We're already holy. We're already righteous. We're already fully sanctified. He's already given us every spiritual gift in the heavenly places. Okay? So there's a reality, a greater reality than we see every day, in which we are already all that stuff. But in order to experience any of that stuff here on earth, we have to walk it out. Okay? Are we with me so far? So we have to walk out sanctification. It started the minute we were saved, but then it's a process. It's progressive. It takes time, our entire life, to be specific. Okay? Sanctification is a process. It takes time. Um, and it is the primary thing that God is concerned about in our lives. The primary thing God is concerned about is sanctification. Because sanctification is us becoming more like Jesus. That's what it is. If, if you're not sure what the word means and all the Latin and stuff, it doesn't matter. Becoming more like Jesus is God's primary purpose in your life. He wants you to become more like Jesus. And that happens not instantaneously when we're saved. In heaven, it's true. But here on earth, we know it's not quite true, right? We're, we're, we're sinless. We're holy. We're not sinners anymore. We're saints. We know that's true because the word says it. And yet, it's confusing because when we walk around, we still sin. And like, what's up with that? Um, if you were here a few a couple months ago, we talked about the kingdom of God, and it's very similar. A lot of the things of God are similar to this. So Jesus said the kingdom of God is here, and he also said the kingdom of God is coming. Which is it? It's both. The kingdom of God was started. He often uses plant metaphors. So like a mustard seed, it started. The kingdom of God started, and then it grows, and eventually it takes over the whole garden. Right? That's what the kingdom of God does. It's a process. Jesus started it. It's a project that he started, and we are now carrying it out. We are expanding the kingdom of God because we are now the body of Christ. So that's the kingdom, and sanctification is the same way. It started the minute we were saved, and some people do experience um, radical moments of sanctification right when they were saved. I mean, I know of people who were healed from addiction at the moment they were saved. That's pretty awesome, right? That's pretty amazing. And I know actually several people who have that testimony. But 99.94%, roughly, of us don't get sanctified of our stuff when we get saved. We have to work through it. We have to walk it out. And it means suffering and it means sacrifice. And it's way harder. Okay? And I guarantee you those people who were healed of addiction or whatever they were healed from weren't healed of all their stuff. <laughs> they weren't sanctified of all their stuff. They still have plenty of issues to work through. And so that's what sanctification is. It's working through our issues. It's the process of becoming more like Jesus. And God is doing it all the time. Lots of stuff falls under this category. So it's the most important thing God is doing in your life is making you more like Jesus. Jesus. Tons of stuff falls under this category. Tons of the things we preach about here falls under the category of sanctification. Forgiveness. 
Learning to forgive. That's becoming more like Jesus. Learning to live in peace and rest instead of stress and worry and fear all the time. That's becoming more like Jesus. Ministry, all different types of ministry and expanding the kingdom of God. That's becoming more like Jesus because that's what Jesus did. The fruits of the Spirit, that's an obvious one, right? The fruits of the Spirit allow us to become more like Jesus, and so we cultivate them. Um, it's Spirit-directed, but discipleship plays a big role, and so we can help each other become more like Jesus, right? That's what discipleship is, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group or in a church like this. We help we, God is working in us to help us to become more like Jesus, more sanctified, and we also help each other. We can call each other out on our junk sometimes. I, I, I have good friends who call me out on stuff. They're like, dude, you're, you're just complaining about stuff. You're not rejoicing. You're not worshiping. You're not thanking. You're just complaining. Knock it off. I think we all need knock it off friends in our life. And if you don't have one, ask God for one or find one or ask me to help you. I love that one. I'll tell you to knock it off anytime you want. Um, and it's very helpful. But it's spirit-directed. Sanctification is something that the Lord does through us, but it is a process, and it requires us. Just like we cultivate the fruits of the spirit, we cooperate with God in the sanctification process. It's God who does the work, but if we don't cooperate, it will not happen. If you don't cooperate with God in this process, nothing's going to happen. You can resist sanctification. I know plenty of Christians who have resisted becoming more like Jesus most of their lives. And you can tell, right? And so we have to own, own into this, buy into it. It's a cooperative effort between us and Jesus because we have free will. God respects our free will. And uh, Philippians 2, this is, this is Philippians 2.13, one of the primary verses, I think, if you want to put sanctification in a nutshell. Philippians 2.13, God is always at work within you to make you more willing and able to obey him. Okay, God is always at work within you to make you more willing and more able to obey him. Isn't that awesome? God is always working within us to help us because we stink, let's be honest. And if this was all on us, we'd never get sanctified. And we know it's not all us, on us because that's why the cross had to happen, right? But sometimes, I know a lot of Christians who they got saved and they know it's because of the cross and yet now they live as if it's all about them. And it's on them to fix their life. And it's on them to set things straight. And why am I such a loser? I can't do anything right. So... Before they were saved, they knew Jesus needed to take away their sin, but now after they're saved, they think they can do it themselves. It's silly, but it's super common. I'll even slip into that once in a while. Not as much now, but I used to a lot. And that's, that's the difficulty here with sanctification, because we do play a part, but it's God who does the work, because he's always working in us. That's his grace. But we, when we cooperate... With the spirit and with what he's doing in our hearts, sanctification goes much faster and much better. And that's why in my experiences in discipleship and sanctification, I've seen people go farthest, fastest in like small group settings, like a small group or a Bible study that meets every week, that sort of thing, where there's real strong relationships and a lot of discipleship happening and people really seeking after God. Those are the settings I've seen people go farthest, fastest in terms of sanctification. I mean, uh, the, church, the church that um, I started in seminary at the U of M, 
was a young adult church, um, and we had people go, we had one girl go from being a universalist to being a Christian missionary in about two years. That's a pretty big gap, right? That's a pretty big gap. Now, did God just show up, slam her to the ground, give her a revelation like the Apostle Paul, and all of a sudden she's going to follow it? No, that's not how it worked. It was a process, but that process involved a church and a pastor and a small group and an accountability partner. They didn't call it accountability partner. We just called it a mentor. Um, and it involved all those things, and it involved her really working to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and wanting to learn, God, what are you doing in my life? That paper you did, okay? That is so helpful when it comes to sanctification because we often live our lives, and I talk to people in counseling or, or just mentoring um, type situations all the time who are very confused about what's going on in their life. And I, I usually ask, did you ask God what's going on in your life? And they almost never say yes. If you ask God, what are you trying to do in me right now? Who do you want to be for me right now in this situation I'm in or in this difficulty I'm in? What is it that I need to do? What is it I need to focus on? Ask God those questions. Keep asking those questions, and he'll help you zero in on those things. And then you're cooperating with the Spirit in what he's trying to do in your life. I mean, you could just say, oh, it'd be good to learn about generosity, so I'm going to read a book on giving. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'd rather you say, God, what would you like me to learn right now? Because maybe he would like you to learn patience. And if that's true, you should focus on that. That should be your study time. That should be your, your prayer time, some of your prayer time at least. So cooperation with the Spirit is, is what makes this effective, and it, it's what makes it really work. So I, I like questions like this because it helps the process. It's hard to know what God wants us to do if we don't know what God wants us to do. <laughs> right? And how do we know if we don't ask? My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says. If he is leading his sheep, we need to hear his voice. We need to learn to recognize him so that we can follow him. You can't follow him if we can't hear him. So we, we, if this is really, really helpful. So I try to do this, and I ask the Spirit to remind me when I have missed it for a while. <laughs> But I try to do this regularly, and when I recognize that I'm in sort of a sanctification moment, a test, if you will, then I try to back up and say, okay, God, what are you, what are you trying to do right now? What are you wanting to do in this situation, in me? Not just through me, but in me. How can you help me become more like Jesus through what's happening here? Because that's what God does. God is a master at this. He takes your life and he figures out a way to use it for his good, for his glory, for his purposes, to sanctify you and to make you more like Jesus. And he is a master at this. He is so good at it. Um, and this is where tests come in, right? We all have little tests uh, from time to time in different things. And God uses those tests so that we can grow, so that we can grow in sanctification. We can grow in becoming more like Jesus. That's the purpose of tests. I'm not saying God orchestrates these tests. Uh, he does, you know, once in a while, but usually he doesn't need to because life is full of enough trouble of its own. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems. He's not saying, I'm giving you enough problems tomorrow already. No, he's just saying life is full of problems. I really like the bumper sticker that says crap happens, except it doesn't say crap. We've all seen one of those bumper stickers. It might not be very sanctified of me, but I love that bumper sticker because it's both humorous and quite deep. And if we can accept the fact that that's true, 
life will be a little easier, I think, to walk through. Paul Anderson says it best, I think. He says, life wouldn't be so hard if I didn't expect it to be so easy. We expect it to be easy. I'm following Jesus. Everything's going to be fine. Have you read this? That's not what this says at all. It actually says the opposite. You will have suffering. You will have to sacrifice. That is life. Crap happens, okay? So God doesn't need to orchestrate situations for you to be tested. There's plenty of them all the time, right? We know this. But he uses those situations to say, okay, all right, tons of traffic. Nate's going to be late. Why are they doing construction? In the middle? Oh, you know. Am I going to give in to that? And am I going to get upset? More often than not, I have. I admit, okay? I'm getting better at that. What is that? That's a patience test, right? Very simple. And here's the deal, folks. The more we pass the tests, the less we have to take them again. If you fail a test, you have to take the test again. So if the test sucks, make darn sure you don't fail. <laughs> pass the darn test. I'm serious. Pass the test. It, it's it's amazing to me how much humility plays into sanctification. I, think, I feel like almost nothing in sanctification can happen, nothing of the fruits of the Spirit can happen without humility because it's that pride that gets in our way, at least for me. Maybe I'm just super prideful compared to other people. That's probably true. But um, for me, it's that letting go of control. I'm a planner. I would prefer to control everything. I'd make a horrible God, but I would like to be him. Okay? <laughs> I want to control it. And not just bad, I'm not talking about evil things, I'd probably do some, but like, I'm talking about like control life for my family to make it good, control health, control school, control all that stuff, right? And God is like, look, I need to be in control of you and everything you do and everything you are, because I'm your God. You made me your God a long time ago, and so you have to give up the wheel. You have to let me be in control. That takes humility, and it's so tough. It's tough for me to do. I would rather fume at the traffic and the stupid MnDOT, what is their problem? Why don't they make the roads out of something better? I'd rather fume at that than I would give it up and let it go. And you can feel it when you give it up and let it go. You feel yourself just even pretending right now, just pretending that and then like relaxing like this, like I felt something. So it's physical. There's, it's chemical. And they, they've studied this. It's very chemical. It's very physical. Okay? Um, we need to cooperate with God in these tests. If we cooperate and say, okay, what, what are you doing right now? And here's, here's a cheat. Cheat code? Ready for a cheat code? What is this test making you want to do or feel? Do the opposite. That's a cheat code for this. A cheat code for just about any test. That's a video game reference for those of you who don't know. Um, so you'd say, what, what is happening right now? I'm being angry. Remember, anger is a secondary emotion. Something happens before anger. So you have to go back. I'm angry. Okay, but why? Because this is out of my control and I don't like being late. Okay, so what's my test right now? I need to give up control. I need to give up my control of time, and I need to be patient. So that's the solution. That's how you pass the test, okay? So if you, I don't want to go too far down the cheat metaphor. That wouldn't be good. Okay, we'll leave that alone. So, but that's, that's a, quick, a quick help. What are you tempted to do, or what do you naturally want to do? It doesn't have to be the devil tempting you. It's just you. <laughs> Unsanctified Nate wants to react a certain way or does react or does feel some sort of emotion. And so the opposite of that is typically the way out. Um, 
The problem is we tend to view tests as bad because we don't like pain. We don't like suffering. We don't like having to do anything we don't want to do because we're all really little kids, which is why the Bible always refers to us as God's children. He's not talking about adult children. He's talking about kids because we act like kids all the time. But God, this stinks. I don't like it. Mm. But I want to eat now. I have three kids. I have some experience with seeing this. But I do it myself all the time. And that's one of the biggest things that God has taught me through having children. He's taught me a lot about his love. But he's taught me a lot about how I am, which is a lot like a five-year-old. God, I don't like what's happening. It doesn't feel good. And why won't you stop it? You could stop it. You could change it. You could fix it. Why don't you do it? You're mean. You're a mean old God. This is what my kids have said to me. One of them said it to me very, very recently. I want a yogurt. Not right now. There's too much sugar in this yogurt. That counts as a dessert. You're not having yogurt. I want it. No, not right now. We're going to have dinner soon. You're mean. You're a mean dad. And I, <laughs> yeah, I was totally Andrew. Sorry, bud. Three under the bus. So this happened, and I literally laughed out loud. Oh, yeah, she loved that. I mean, the person loved that. Um, the smallest one, okay. Um, but again, God, God always reminds me in those moments, that's you so often. If it doesn't go my way or if I don't understand God's arbitrary rules, why can't I have a yogurt? Just let me. Okay, why does God have these rules? Why doesn't he just jump in and do whatever I want? Why can't he be my checkbook and my genie? Why can't I rub my magic lamp and make God come out and do whatever I want? Why not? No, it would wreck the world. Yeah, it would absolutely, I would destroy the universe in minutes, literal minutes, okay? No, no kidding. Um, but this is how we are, right? And so we need to let go of that, try to grow up a little bit and not feel like every test, every bad thing that's happening in my life is wah, wah, wah. I'm not saying pretend it's fine and fake it. No, no, no. Don't fake it. That's not what I'm saying. You can be honest to God and say, God, just FYI, in case you weren't clear, I do not like this. Not one little bit. <laughs> say that to him. Be honest. Say, if it's at all possible, I would very much prefer to be rescued, please. Preferably immediately. Say that. Ask him, is this the devil? Do I need to stand against this in prayer? The devil will always insert himself into anything he thinks he can get his little paws in, right? But not every bad thing that happens to us is the devil. The world is full of crap. And it happens. It happens all the time. But we fight against God all the time when it comes to sanctification. God is like, I'm using this to do something awesome in your life. And we're like, no. Yogurt. And I realize I'm making light of it, but it's not light. These are afflictions. They're trials. They're tests. And they can be difficult. But as the verse you read this morning said, these are fleeting, momentary afflictions. And they are producing in you a greater weight of glory. We're going to look at a verse like that next week as well. There is purpose to struggle. There is purpose to suffering. 
Even if God didn't organize it, he will make purpose come out of it. And that purpose is your sanctification. It's like working out. Um, most of us have worked out probably a couple times in our life, right? If you want your heart to grow stronger, you have to push it, right? For a certain period of time, preferably, and that'll help your heart grow stronger. I don't do that much cardio. Um, I'm more of a, a weightlifting guy, okay? If I want to get stronger, I have to force my muscle to work hard over and over until it hurts and until it can't possibly even do it anymore. That's what I have to do to make my muscles stronger, right? Most of us have done strength training at some point in our lives. Now, pretend you're the muscle. Because in this analogy, I'm God and this is the muscle. This is you. Pretend you're the muscle. Why are you making me lift a stupid chunk of iron? There is no purpose to this at all. This is dumb. There's plenty of better things I could be doing than pu pulling up this chunk of iron. Seriously, God, what is your deal? Deliver me from my enemy chunk of iron. It is oppressing me, and it is destroying my life and stealing my joy. Not I'm choosing not to have joy. It's stealing my joy. Hear that? No culpability. Um, this is horrible. It makes no sense. The muscle's very confused. What is happening? Why do I have to keep doing it? This is starting to hurt. This is starting to be problematic. I don't like it, but you keep doing it anyway. If you're the muscle, you're not happy at this moment. And then finally it goes away, and then you start again. And now the muscle's just flat out pissed off. What is your problem? Put the chunk of iron down. The muscle doesn't get it, right? But that's what has to happen to make the muscle stronger. There is no other way to make your muscle stronger. Steve. Yeah, and, and sometimes we do need that, right? And again, I'm not saying God, or in, in, in this analogy, I'm choosing to lift weights, right? But in actuality, God's not making you do it. Most of the time, it's just life. But he's jumping into that situation and says, perfect. This is a great way for you to learn self-control. So how about we work on that? If we don't work on that, this whole suffering is a waste. All that you went through right now is a waste, if you don't get more like Jesus, if you don't cooperate with God for sanctification, then what was the point of all of it? But God can add a point to a pointless situation. Romans 8, 28. You all know the verse. We know that for those who love God, all things work for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. All things work for good. Not in the way they started necessarily, but God will insert a good into any situation is what that means. And God will make it work for good. Okay, So he inserts purpose into purposelessness, into stupid stuff, into horrible stuff. God inserts purpose, and he makes it important. Not just an opportunity to grow, an important one. And the bigger the test, the bigger the opportunity. Um, exactly, that's exactly right. And that is the purpose of God, is to be conformed to his image, to become more like Jesus. If you're not sure what the purposes of God are in your life, that's it. Right? Sanctification. Now, I apologize for being a terrible artist. 
This is a heart. Now, sanctification takes place over time. And so I just want to talk about how time works for us in the sanctification process for just a minute. Um, so this left side of your heart, let's say this is years ago, and this right side, it's just a mirror image, so it represents the same thing. This is now. So let's say years ago, um, you were going through some difficulties. These are weeds growing up in your heart. Your heart's full of dirt. When we get saved, our heart is full of ourselves. We're full of ourselves, quite literally. John the Baptist says, he must increase, therefore I must decrease. We need to get unfull of ourselves in order to become more like Jesus, and that's what sanctification is all about. And so this person's been saved for a while, and they've gotten some of their self, all this black stuff is yourself, um, erased. And now you continue the sanctification process, and as you do, look at what's poking up out of the ground in your heart. There's some weeds there, right? There's some stuff you need to deal with. This could be past hurts, wounds, temptations. Forgiveness is a big one, okay? And so these things come up in your life, and you deal with them, okay? And you deal with them. Let's say this is a, a, a struggle with, like, a thought pattern, and you're always thinking negative, and God wants you to think positive. And let's say this one is forgiveness, and you deal with it, and you really do, and you forgive all the way. So now this is all cleared out, and this is awesome. To you, this is 100% of your heart. And so God says, give me everything you have. And you say, yes, I will give you everything I have. He always does this. After he cleans us out, he demands it all. Okay? But in actuality, this is, I don't know, let's say 10% of your heart. But you give that whole 10% because that's all you have. To you, that's everything. You give him everything. And it's awesome. Now, years go by. So let's see. we got to do this, right? Years go by. And he starts to erase more. And he starts to erase more. So you're becoming more sanctified and more sanctified as time goes on. But look what happened. It revealed that there was still more of this to be dealt with. You didn't know. You forgave. You honestly did forgive all the way. But now, because God has removed more of yourself, there's more forgiveness to be done. And, the, and, and, and you have to deal with that. And this is normal. This is normal life, normal sanctification. It happens with every one of us, okay? And there might be something else down here that is yet to be revealed, and it's really deep down, and you won't even see it yet for a while. It just won't come up, okay? This is how we are. And the first time this happened to me, I freaked out. I, I'd given everything to God uh, multiple times and had dealt with some forgiveness issues, and it was, it was good. I was this. It was awesome. And then my, like, freshman year at college, God was taking me really far, really fast, okay? And I was getting really sanctified. Nowhere near this much. Let's just pretend, okay? Um, <laughs> I'm like probably 4% already right now. But like, let's pretend. So <clears throat> God is doing all this stuff, and then this gets revealed. And I start having unforgiveness issues against this issue I already dealt with. And how did I respond? I responded like I always did back then, being self-condemning and assuming I was the worst, because that's, that, that was my mindset at the time. I blamed me. And I said, what? I guess I didn't forgive. I guess I suck at forgiveness. What is my problem? Do I have to go through this again? And so I did. I went through it again, and I got rid of it. But I, w I was very self-condemning about it all because I didn't understand how this works. I didn't know this is a thing. It's a thing. It's a real thing that we all go through. I didn't realize that. 
I just thought I had backslidden. That's what I felt like. I felt like I had backslidden. It was very confusing. And then God comes to me, and what does he say? Give me everything. He says, give me everything. And I say, I just gave you everything. Like a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was. I just gave you everything. And he says, give me everything. And I said, but I, I did that. What is going on? I was really confused, and I was upset. I took offense to what the God said to me, which shows that I wasn't very sanctified yet, because you're not supposed to take offense at anything, right? But I wasn't there yet. And so I took offense at what God said. I'm like, look, dude, I gave you everything. What is your deal? I, I didn't undo it. Like, at that point, instead of being self-condemning, I was like, no, I know that I did. It's like Job, if you've read through the book of Job, okay? And I'm like, I know I gave you everything, so what is the deal here? And I was upset, and we had like a two-day spat, right, where this was preoccupying me, and I was really annoyed at God. And God came to me, and he did one of these gentle fatherly things that he does. I didn't literally feel it, but it felt like I felt it. And he came in. He was so kind. God is so kind. I can't believe it. I deserve no kindness ever. And he is always so kind and so gentle. I try to do that with my kids, and I'm terrible at it. But I try. He is so kind. He is so gentle. And all he said was, give me everything. So what am I supposed to do? I'm like, all right, all right, fine. I'll do it again. I'll give you everything. And it took a little while to get that up on the altar because I was annoyed. But I did it, and I gave him everything. Because now, what I didn't understand is now I had 25% of my heart free. That looks more like 50. Numbers don't matter. What matters is that's more than that, okay? I didn't understand this until years later. The reason God demanded that is because I had more to give. We always have more to give because God is always working within you to make you more willing and able to obey him. He's always sanctifying you. He is always doing this. And so do not be surprised when old forgiveness issues come up, when old sins come up, when new wounds come up that you didn't even know existed. How have I gone 50 years without realizing that I hated my dad? I don't hate him. I'm also not 50. I'm also not 50, so I don't know. Maybe that'll happen when I'm 50. No, seriously, these things happen. This is normal. This is real life. I talk to Christians all the time who are so confused by this stuff. What is happening? And I'm like, this is normal. Absolutely normal. Happens all the time. Okay? One quick thing. This is going to be a setup for next week. I'm going to draw over your heads. Don't be offended. Uh, I'm going to use the green. So this is normal sanctification. And we get a little spike. These are tests. Right? And we have maybe a test a week, test every two weeks, something like that. Sort of looks like a messed up EKG, right? Some are a little bigger than others. Then we go through a time where it's easy sailing. We're like, finally, I've entered the rest. Right? <laughs> we think it's great. <laughs> we, we blame these on God or the devil. We blame this on us. <laughs> every time. Literally every time. And we mistake a lack of struggle for us doing the right thing. And that's not the way it goes. So, but there are periods like that. And we do this, and this is like normal sanctification, okay? That's everyday stuff, that's tests. I had a test this week, I got like a C. You know, I passed, but I didn't pass real well, right? Um, 
And then you get one of these. And I know I need the black. Did you see it, Chris? Thank you. So, thank you. Then you get one of these. Boom! And you're like, ouch! This, this is tough. Then you get another one. And then you get another one. And then you get another one. And then you get a bigger one. And then you get a bigger one. And you're like, what is happening? I am being oppressed by the devil, or I've massively sinned. Those are, that's all we can think of. And then God, where is God? Why, why, why isn't he helping me? God, this is where I, I was supposed to be, right? What is this about? I'm calling this punctuated sanctification. Punctuated is a scientific term. It means when the intervals are interrupted by something else. There are God is always working to sanctify us, but there are times in our life where that is really punctuated and it goes like this, and that is the purpose of these times. And then just when we don't think it could get any worse. It looks like labor pain. It, it, it's, that's, that's not, not untrue, okay? And so, okay. Uh, we, most of us here have been through at least one of these. Maybe not Andrew. That's, you're young. Um, many of us, probably most of us, have been through a couple of these. Some of us are looking at this right now going like this because we're in one. We're in one right now. So this is what I call punctuated sanctification. It's when the normal tests of life are nothing compared to what's happening now. And it is serious. And it is hardcore. And it is difficult. And we don't know how we're going to make it through because we can't see past the next peak that we know at this point is coming. You can't see God here. You might not be able to feel him at all or hear him. This is tough. If this is a test, these are finals. Okay? These are final exams. And there's a bunch of finals this year, and it's one after another, and it's tough. And there's no end in sight, and it keeps getting worse, and you don't know what the heck is going on. This is what I call punctuated sanctification. It happens to all of us. I'm not saying this is God-directed, okay? This is life. It could be a health thing. It could be a legal thing. It could be a career thing. It could be a calling thing. It could be a marital thing. It could be something with a kid. There's any number of things it could be, um, or things that could, could help to push this into place. Sometimes it's not about our circumstances at all. And next week, we're going to talk about the three primary times that I think this happened in our life. And we're going to talk about specifically how we pass the test in each one of those particular instances, because they're different. Um, the first one I call the crucible. Crucible is one of those containers where you melt stuff. Things get really hot. Okay? Pressure cooker would be a, another example of it. And sometimes that's where, what we feel like. I felt like that in seminary, like I was in a pressure cooker. And it just did not stop. And every, everything around me was just pressing in. And it was really, really tough. And it didn't let up. It felt like a pressure cooker. It was a crucible. I was being fired. What's the purpose of fire? To refine. Again, God didn't make that happen. But he put purpose into it. And he said, oh, hey, you're in the fire. I know what to do. I'm going to use this to refine you. Another one is what I call heart surgery. <laughs> That's more emotionally based, dealing with trauma, wounds, death, 
um, big losses, big wounds, things like that. And, and uh, the situation there is primarily emotional and God's doing surgery on your heart, but you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening. All you know is it hurts really bad and God seems to be making it worse, which he is. He's making it worse to make you better, like a surgeon. The other one is a season of pruning where God is snipping good things off your life and it hurts and it feels terrible. That one is God-directed, but there's a purpose behind that as well. So we're going to stop there for this week. What I want you to think about is that it is very important to cooperate with God in the sanctification process, especially during these times. These are the hard times. It's hard to see God, and it's hard to trust God. But it is so important that we try to cooperate with the Holy Spirit during those times, that punctuated time. His intent, the purpose he puts into that situation I am going to make you so much more like Jesus by the time you get here than when you started. You are going to look so much more like Jesus here. Because this is a big deal, and therefore the ability to grow is also big. These are the most important times in your life. We want that to be the most important time in our life. There's nothing wrong with vacation. Vacation's awesome. But in reality... These are the most important times in our life. And it is crucial that we humble ourselves and cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that we can be sanctified hugely during these times. These are our best chances during our entire earthly life to become more like Jesus. We only got one shot at this, folks. This is not an audition. This is it. It's all we got. You only are going to have a few of those in your life. Praise God, right? But at the same time, you're only going to have a few of these in your life. You have to make the most of these. Because if you don't, then what the heck was that all about? What was the point? What was the purpose? Right? So it's hard to trust, but that's what you need to dial into. It's hard to see, and so you can have faith. and walk by faith instead of sight. We're going to talk next week about these, about this punctuated sanctification that God wants us to do, to do these really difficult times, struggles, trials, suffering in our lives. And we're going to talk about specifically how to pass these finals. Because the Bible is not silent on this. It's actually super clear. It's not even that hard to figure out. Okay? The Bible's really clear. There are specific ways to study, if you want to put it that way, to keep my finals analogy. There are specific ways that you can study so that you will definitely pass these tests. Guaranteed. Yeah. Just real quick, I feel like the body as a whole doesn't like this part. And so mm-hmm. when we come in contact with people who are there, our natural thing is to judge and step away. Yep. And become Job's friends. You know? And I think that it's humbling for me because I look and see what in my temple. It's just as quick the minute I hear about somebody else's, I want to figure it out. I want to go, well, surely if they just did A, B, and C. Right. Either they're doing something wrong. Either they're doing something wrong or the devil's a meanie. Not only maybe you're not in one of these right now, but the lesson might be don't be a Job's friend. Figure out who you're being called to be. And I would like the analogy better the one that I prefer for God. So who do you think you're supposed to be? Yep. The Bible doesn't say the Bible doesn't say judge one another's burdens and judge one another's choices. It says bear one another's burdens. That's what we're called to do. And there are some of us in this room who are in one of those right now. There are some who just got out of one. 
okay? This is real stuff. And it's our job as the body of Christ to ask for help when we need it. And it's also our job to help one another when we need it, right? We bear one another's burdens. That doesn't mean you take on someone else's problems, but it means you intercede and you help and you encourage. Because when you're in one of those valleys or about to fall off one of those cl cliffs, it is scary and it is hard and it hurts. And it's, you can't see God up in there. You just can't. It's so hard to do. And so sometimes we need to see God for them. We need to see God for each other. We need to hear God for each other. We need to show God to each other. Because during those confusing times, it's just too hard to do on our own. And we're not supposed to do it on our own. We were never supposed to do it on our own. That's why he put us together as a body. Amen? Okay. I'm over time. I can keep preaching for four hours. So, oh, yeah. I'll stop. But we're going to continue this next week and get down to some specifics in the word. Father, we thank you that you insert purpose in purposeless things in our life. We thank you that you make a way where there isn't a way for anything good to happen. We thank you that you work all things for good, even if it's huge stuff, whether it was our fault, someone else's fault, the world, the devil, doesn't matter. You can insert purpose. You do. It's not can. It's like a guarantee. You insert purpose into every situation. And there's huge potential in these really, really difficult situations. Potential for punctuated sanctification, to grow leaps and bounds. I pray that you would help us to be better at recognizing what's happening. Holy Spirit, I ask you, and just agree with me in your heart with this prayer if you want this too. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me have eyes to see and to recognize when I'm in a test and when there's an opportunity for sanctification. Help me to recognize when there's an opportunity for me to grow and to become more like Jesus. Help me see and recognize when there's opportunities to humble myself, to trust, to follow. And for those of us who are in one of these really, really hard times right now, I pray encouragement and peace and joy. With humility, peace, and joy, there's very few battles you can't win. And so help us to realize and walk in the truth that peace and joy are not circumstantial. They have nothing to do with circumstance. Peace and joy are fruits of the Spirit. We can have them anytime, anywhere. You set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Even surrounded by people trying to murder us, we can chill out and have lunch with you. Help us live in that kind of rest. Rest in the middle of war. Peace in the middle of any circumstance. Joy and thanksgiving in the middle of any circumstance. Pray that you would bless us this week and that you would help us to cooperate with you this week in whatever it is you're trying to do in our life. Help us to cooperate with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So... <laughs>